You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24-7 nonstop destination for A's baseball. Go to athletics.com slash A's Cast to download the app. Restrictions apply. From baseball's top personalities. The great Chris Russo joins us once again. To the game's top players. Joining us is the All-Star. Matt Chapman with us. You never know what stories you're going to hear. If you make your way down here, I, I might be able to make some time and go out there and see the great Chris Townsend. This is A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. Time now for another edition of A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend as we continue to replay the interviews that we had down at the winter meetings in San Diego where we hope you enjoyed it because I can tell you, for, for me and Cody, we both said, you know, this was like one of the best moments of our careers. You know, when you're a baseball guy and you're there and the whole baseball world is there and all these big-name people that you, you've seen for years and you get to meet with these people, it was a lot of fun. And today is going to be a manager's edition as we got an opportunity to have teams bring their manager over. And for the Rays, you know, there's so much respect between the A's and the Rays. Kevin Cash we were his first interview of the meetings. It was pretty cool. They brought him over first. Tori Lavello, who is the manager for the Arizona Diamondbacks and former A, is going to tell you a great story about his time with the A's. And then Gabe Kapler, Gabe Kapler of the San Francisco Giants. Been kind of a controversial hire. So it was nice that the Giants brought him over as we got to talk to Gabe. But I'll tell you what, whenever you talk about the A's and the Rays, there's so many similarities on the field, off the field, the issues that both franchises have, and really the respect that both franchises have for each other. Here's the head man for the Tampa Bay Rays, Kevin Cash. And now joining us, he's one of the top skippers in all of Major League Baseball. And uh, obviously, we it's always interesting when you talk about the A's and the Rays. Kevin Cash is with us here from the Rays. Winter meetings, how are you? I'm good, man. Just flew in about three hours ago and uh, getting this thing underway. You guys are the first group I get to talk with. Looking forward to it. And, I, I have, you know, I admire what the, the A's do also. And I think there are some correlations between the Rays and the A's. But first and foremost, obviously, with Billy Bean, David Forrest, Dan Feinstein, and then obviously Bob Melvin. What a guy to, to you know, watch, emulate his style, what he does, how he gets the most out of players. Pretty special group. Well, congratulations on the season you guys had. You ended up beating us in the wild card, and then you did, you did everything you could to, to take down that ALDS. You have to be so proud of your guys. We were. We were really proud of them. And, uh, you know, that, that was a, a daunting task to go into Oakland. I mean, those fans, what a group of fans they had yelling and screaming when that game started. We were fortunate that Yandi got the big hits for us and, and put us on the board early. Uh, and then, you know, there were a lot of growth moments for, for our players, for myself, never do- doing that in that position, being a part of that uh, through through the, the Houston series was a great experience and something that we've now we got a taste of it. We want to build on it. What's it like doing it for the first time? 
Um, you know, as a player, well, I wasn't a very good player, so I got to be a really good cheerleader in the dugout. <laughs> uh, but, you know, having, you know, a little bit more responsibility in the dugout and, and the decisions that we make as a staff and, and trying to keep the guys positive when you're facing guys like uh, Sean Manet or Garrett Cole or Justin Verlander, those are, that, it got fun. And the, watching the guys respond, uh, we'll be better for it the next time we get there. And I think about just the year with you guys. I remember when we were down in Tampa, and I remember doing a bunch of interviews for my pregame show, and that's when the, the Montreal thing broke. I mean, there, there, was, there seemed to be able to be a lot of distractions around you guys that you didn't let happen. Well, that's a credit to, I think, look, our, we got a good staff, and I think our front office does a tremendous job of getting out in the front of some of these things. And they, they let some players know that, hey, this news is going to break. And, they, you know, all teams deal with some adversity, whether the injuries, whether it's breaking news, you know, whatever it is, they deal with it. And I think our youthfulness helps us a lot. These guys, are they come to the ballpark just excited to play. They're not thinking about anything else but winning tonight's game. And when you take that mentality, a lot of those things you can overcome. Yeah, I think about when we – I always say that we're mirror images of each other both on the field and off the field with the stadium issues. And I, I, after a while, I think the players just get numb to all of it. And to them, as you said, you just come to win every single day. You don't get locked into all the outside noise. I, I think that's fair, and I think that's probably the, the, the best way to go about it. Uh, these Today's players have so much on their plate, and, and – uh, if they're going to start worrying about other things and getting their bodies ready and getting their mind ready to go play a baseball game or a 162-game season, you know, they've already got, they've got families, wives, girlfriends, kids that, that are very important. Uh, but if you start letting too many outside factors come in, you're probably not going to perform the way that you're capable of doing. And, and I don't think that – I think our guys did a tremendous job of not allowing some of those distractions or so-called distractions come in. And you're a lot like the A's. There's a lot of data for all the players. And I always like to ask the managers this. You know, some guys love it, some guys don't. You need to feed it to certain guys certain ways. What is that like for you when you get a lot of new players where you got to kind of figure them out or how are we going to take all this data and how are we going to implement it? Right. It really goes where the, the hands-on approach, uh, whether we acquire a guy in the offseason or developmentally our player development gets introduces a lot of these young players coming up to some of this stuff. Uh, but the staff really takes that hands-on approach, and, and we're going to use it. That's pretty clear. Now, how what you said was was really good. How are we going to deliver it to, to, you know, whether it's the catcher, whether it's the pitcher, whether it's positioning of an infielder. Uh, and that's where, you know, it takes a special staff, and that's what we have to be able to balance all the different departments of our club. Yeah, because we've now brought on Coco Chris. You remember Coco? And uh, he's now part of our broadcast team. And he'll look at me and go, see ball, hit ball. I want none of that. <laughs> uh, you know what? I play with Coco and uh, special player. And, yeah. uh, you know, if, he was he's probably the best center fielder I ever saw play until I saw Kevin Kiermaier play. I'm not going to say which one's better, but Coco was was unbelievable. Uh, and look, when when he played, it was a little bit of a different era. Uh, things the game is changing rapidly with what we're finding out and uh, credit these players that are coming into this game right now and being receptive to all this. You have been a master at handling your bullpen. I think there's no question about it. Everybody in baseball, your bullpen and the way you handle your bullpen is fantastic. But, you know, just, you know, getting ready for the wild card game, knowing just how people are getting healthy, you're going to have much more options next year from your starters we and hope. getting more starts. Yeah, I think, I mean, you're, you're going to have a big three. Yep. Uh, we, well, I, I look, we're going to have a big five, and, and that's assuming we're all healthy. But you look at, obviously, the three with, uh, with Charlie, Blake, and Tyler. 
Uh, but you cannot, you, you can't not talk about them without talking about Yanni Torinos and what Yar, Ryan Yarbrough did. So those five guys, I mean, we're lucky to have them. Uh, it will be different. Uh, we'll see how, you know, the new rules that are coming out and whether you're ma- matching up or you're not matching up. But we know we got special pitchers, and everybody talks about, you know, the, the different things and the unique things that we do. Uh, you don't do any of those without good pitchers, and we're fortunate that we got really good pitchers. Two new rules. How do you feel? We'll go with the first one. That you bring a guy in, he's got to face three guys. You like it? Um, you know, I haven't put a ton of thought into it from the last three years. No, <laughs> we didn't want to do that. But uh, I trust that our guys upstairs will put their heads together and we'll find a way to make it, you know, an advantage for us. And then the September call-ups, they're going to limit that. And that changes a, a lot of people's bullpen. Yeah, it will. It's going to change. Uh, I think by that time, there will be so much preparation leading into September that everybody will have a pretty good handle on it. It'll be different. I mean, believe me, there's times where we've used eight pitchers a ball game to, to win a game. That's probably not going to take place. We all have. Place. Yeah, we all have. <laughs> uh, and we don't like it when it's done to us. Uh, we like it when we do it to the opposition. Uh, that's going to change. Let's end on this. And we appreciate you stopping by. It means a lot. You know, we talked about with the A's, and I think you feel the same way. This is going to be a real quick offseason. It's hard to believe we're, we're at the winter meetings. hard to believe Thanksgiving's already happened. Christmas is right around the corner. I can already sense that, that our people in the building are itching already. Like, like, like last year was just another taste of it. What's it like for you guys? Because I got a feeling you guys can't wait for spring training. That's it. That's exactly what it is. I, I, wish, I wish we were going to spring training next week. And I think a lot of our players feel that way. They, they were so excited with what they accomplished, uh, appreciated, recognized we want to do more. We want to have the opportunity to get a little bit farther. Uh, but they're hungry to come back and play. One, one more. Is there anything specifically as a skipper you'd like to see you guys accomplish here in San Diego before you go back? You know what? I, I, the winter meetings, it, cha- it changes year to year. Sometimes a ton of deals get done. Sometimes nothing gets done, and it just lays the groundwork. I mean, like I said, I just flew in. Uh, I'm sure our, our guys are going to talk to a lot of people, but that one thing, you know, Strasburg is off the market now, so I guess not. We'll go get Cole. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, a lot of respect from our end to you guys, knowing Likewise. what you guys do and what, what we have to go through. And uh, it's a lot of fun watching you guys. You know, we're always rooting for you there in the East to take we, down we, the beast in the East. We feel the same way. Hey, thank you very <laughs> thank much. You Enjoy very the much. rest of the time. Thank you. Cashy, as they like to say, is very impressive. He's a very good manager, and you got to get your buy-in. They got a lot of... A lot of different things that they do there in Florida, and you got to get your players to buy in, and he gets it. And obviously, successful last year, beating the A's in the wild card game, and take hey, they gave Houston everything Houston wanted, right? I mean, that thing went to the very end. So a lot of respect for Kevin Cash. Tori Lovello is one of the good, fun people in the game of baseball. A former athletic, and what he's doing in Arizona to make them competitive, here is... The Snake Skipper. Hey, well, thank you for stopping by. We truly appreciate it. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you guys? We're, or how are you? Not you guys, just you. I, I'm trying to make it happen. Yeah, right, yeah. Right? No, but, you know, I think the cool thing is, is you know, all the different people have come over and been on Ace Cast Live. And, and, you know, whether it's a general manager, a manager, or people in baseball, it's, it's been a lot of fun being here because we got some action. We got some juice going. <laughs> and my action, I don't know if I'm considering any action. It might be a little boring. I'm Boro. 
Well, unless you're the mystery team that's going after Garrett Cole, you could break that news oh right here. Oh, my gosh, that'd be fantastic, right? <laughs> What's great is I think, oh, man, whatever it is, uh, he deserves what he's going to get. And if there's mystery teams, more power to him. He's had a great had a great run. You know, he, well, he, yeah, I, I think about Strasburg. I think about Cole. Rendon's going to get paid. And you as a former player, former A. Yeah. Uh, I'm happy. We're all pro players. It really shows the health of our sport right now. Well, you know what? I, we're, we're very fortunate. Um, I remember one time running by uh, an umpire after I played with the, uh, with the um, Seattle Mariners. Ken Griffey Jr. made a tremendous play defensively. And an umpire went ran by 1994 and said, that kid's unbelievable. He's going to be the first $10 million player. And I was like, wait, what? We're going to have a player make $10 million in one year? You guys are crazy. But you know what? Uh, for the good of the game, the players of that generation sacrificed for today, and the players are making good money, and they deserve it. And uh, they go out there and perform at a very elite level, and the best players get paid what they're supposed to get paid. So, um, you know, the game has transitioned. It's gone to a certain direction. But uh, these guys go out there and earn every penny. And that's why I'm glad Marvin Miller got into the Hall of Fame because – Agreed. I mean, what he did for this sport, what he did for these players, I remember somebody – I think it was – was it Boog Powell or somebody said every single player should write that man a letter saying thank, thank you for what he did? Correct. And, you know, he was well ahead of his years, and he saw the game from through a different lens. And, you know, we're talking about, I don't even know, maybe the mid, late 70s, I don't know, free agency. He kind of, he, he was a pioneer. He got out in front of this thing and, and, and uh, made some really special things happen, happen inside of this game that Don Fear took to the next level. And now the group is uh, really perfecting. I remember when I was a little kid, Nolan Ryan's making a million dollars a year. Yeah. <laughs> I remember you're right. It was Nolan Ryan and maybe Mike Schmidt or Pete Rose. I can't remember exactly who it was, but like a million dollars? No yeah. way. This is insane. But and, and that wasn't too long ago. You know, if you're putting in dog years, obviously. But, uh, you know, that was maybe the late. 80s, early 90s, guys were just barely making a million bucks, and, and it's exploded. I think about your ball club, and it was so interesting to follow you guys from afar to where you think, well, they don't have a chance, then you have a chance, and then you make the big trade with Grinky, and, and then I look. You guys had a really good year last year. Yeah, we did. We're proud of that. Um, you know, I think your organization and ours are fairly aligned. You know, we, we are challenged in different ways, and we know what our guidelines are. And we embrace that. We know what we got to do to be uh, elite and get to that next level. And we're striving for that. We've raised the bar, and we know that we got to go out and compete in a very, very tough division. But um, we were proud of the year that we had, but we got to figure out a way to win 10 more games. And uh, our general managers do a great job. Mike Hazen, in particular, does a great job of, of you know, kind of reloading as we're winning baseball games. And we gave up some big names last year. Um, you know, it's, it's Patrick Corbin. It's, it's uh, Paul Goldschmidt. Uh, AJ Paul, Zach Granke, uh, and it's just what we're faced with. That's what that's what we got to do, and it's not uncommon to you guys inside of the Oakland A's organization. But you know, we got to find a way to do what you guys did last year and get close to that 100 win mark and compete and go out and do what we do best. In that unbelievable two straight years, you win 97 games, and it only gets you into the wild card game. Yeah, it's harsh. That's very it's harsh, very harsh. That, to me, sometimes seems like it could be a little unfair. I, you know, I, I don't know what the National League did as far as their number, but I think it was low 90s. But you almost win 100 games. Uh, you, should be, you should win a division. You know? But, you know, once again, you guys are in the same situation we are. We compete with the Dodgers. You guys are competing with the uh, Houston Astros. Uh, we know what we got to do to get there, and we're, we're not going to stop until we do. 
and, and I like your approach about it. We had Kevin Cash on yesterday, same boat in Tampa. Yeah. It's like, you know what? You have to embrace what it is, right? I, I understand you're not going to have a payroll of over $200 million. Rays are not, we're not, but you know what? Deal with it. It's yeah. still about winning baseball games. You, you can't worry about that. You can just, you got to go out and win. It doesn't matter what the obstacles are, you got to be able to get over them. Yeah, and we, we have that underdog mentality, and it drives us every single day. And, and uh, you know, whether the little brother you know, gets beat up by the bigger brother all the time, eventually he's going to figure out a way to, to fight back and do his job. So, yeah, I think we're all in the same boat. You just mentioned some teams, and uh, the, uh, the, uh, the Rays were unbelievable. I mean, Cashy did an unbelievable job in, in, uh, with his team, and, and that front office is an unbelievable job, much in the way that, that, that Billy is and, and, um, and Bo Mel is. Uh, it's just a tough, tough situation that we're, we're in. We know it, and nobody runs from it. We love that. We love that, that spirit of that competition to be as good as we can possibly be. It isn't going to change. We're not going to drop a $200 million payroll ever in Arizona, and we don't mind that. And I think about your guys' division as we're sitting here in San Diego. The Padres are trying to get better. Giants are kind of interesting. It's like they, they're kind of kind of look like they're going to rebuild, and they're not going to rebuild, and we'll see what end, ends up happening with Mass and Bumgarner. But once again, it's going to be a very competitive division. Yeah, we know that too. And it's all the Dodgers start stops with them, right? They they uh, won over 100 games last year, and uh, we we closed the gap as best we could on the wild card situation. We we ran out of gas, but. Uh, there are some teams that are very competitive in our division. And uh, I don't know what happened to the Rockies last year. They were good for a long, long period of time. And then sometime in July, I think they kind of ran out of gas as well. But uh, the Padres are doing an unbelievable job of getting some really good talent there. Uh, they're going to be very competitive. And you're right, the Giants, I don't know what direction they're going to go in, but they have a lo- load of talent. They're going to be very competitive as well. And the National League, you know, you don't have as many teams tanking as we do in the American. Because there's some teams in the American League. I mean, you we went into Detroit, you go into Kansas City, you go into Baltimore, and you're wondering why teams are winning 107 and 103 games. I mean, it's, it's, you really have to feast on the bottom feeders. Yeah, well, that's when, when good teams can beat the teams they're supposed to, that means they're going to get to where they want to get to. But, um, look, that's just a sign, a sign of the times right now. Yeah, and I know Detroit, things are lean in the cities that you mentioned. And, you know, I pulled for Gardy there in Detroit because he was on staff with me in, in, uh, in Arizona. But, uh, yeah, whether it's tanking or not, it's just it's where this game has gone from time to time with that total reload and, and a reboot, uh, which means you guys got to close out those games, and good teams do. So give the A's some credit. Give the Rays some credit. Give all those teams that won close to 100 games some credit. They won the games they were supposed to, and sometimes that's not easy. Do you get the sense, though, it's starting to flip? And I, I've been asking this question to a lot of people that, you know, there's a lot of front offices now. There, there's some heat on them. Like, these owners, I'm tired of losing. I want to see some winning. So maybe that's one of the reasons why we've seen so much money spent up to where coming into San Diego, the money being spent now, that we're starting to see more teams trying to compete again. Are you seeing that? Yeah, I think so. I think owners get a little bit anxious. They're human beings, too. We all have the same human emotion. Just because I'm a manager doesn't mean I'm not thinking what you're thinking across the table or what what Frank in the first row is thinking. We all, we all feel the same thing. And owners understand what the plan is as long as you outline it to them. But nobody's got a seven-year plan. Nobody has that. You know, it's like, hey, we'll do it for a year, maybe a year and a half. But eventually this worm has got to turn. So, yeah, I feel like certain teams got to make a splash. I know that San Diego's done an incredible job of building their farm system, which is their backbone. And now they're going to get some key free agents and, and add in what they did with Hosmer and Machado. 
they're going to be very competitive. So I think that's kind of what some teams are going to start to do once they're once they get rich enough inside of their own system. They're going to start to start to make good things happen. Looking at your needs, what would you like to see accomplished here at the winning winter meetings and pretty much all the way till spring training? Yeah, I mean it's no mystery. If you look at our roster, we're, we we've lost some. Uh, look at our roster, we've lost some outfield play. So um, we got to fill in some gaps there in the outfield. I think that's where we got to we got to start our focus. And uh, you know whether we get a right fielder, left fielder, center fielder, who knows? But we have really good conversations inside of our war room. Our group does an incredible job of of digging into the nitty gritty and finding the right candidates that are going to fit our fit our culture. We we believe in bringing in the right guys that are going to fit into our situation the best way they know how uh, and help us win baseball games. That really what you just said is something that resonates in Oakland because it, it, it's been a clubhouse culture for a long time. And when you put guys that don't fit they got to go, and they got to go fast. Yeah. And I think that's something that Billy Bean has been a master at, finding, like, this is the kind of – everybody wants the ultimate talent, but you got to be able to fit in the room because if you don't fit in the room, it really destroys a lot of things. Talking about building that, I've talked about this with Bob Melvin, but talk about how building that, the culture that you want where everybody's pulling on the same rope in yeah. your clubhouse. Yeah, it's, it's huge. So everybody's got their own rope, and everybody can pull 25 ropes individually. It doesn't work. you got to tie it together. So that's my message with these guys. And they, they understand my concepts. They understand how important it is that you have some continuity uh, inside of that clubhouse, and, and you got to be a family. you got to get along. And if you don't, it's going to run right over you. And, and those guys basically can be seen quickly. Um, and, you know, look, Billy Bean played the game at the highest level possible, so he's a brilliant baseball man that was also a really good baseball player, so he can combine the two things. And then he's got Bo Mel, who's probably given him good insight and good feel for what's happening inside of the clubhouse, so there's trust there. That's a very, very potent situation. they got a really good thing going on. So when Bo Mel says, this guy is not pulling on the rope, he probably says, how are we going to get him to pull on it? we got to make sure this culture rides, rides that guy to the right place. If it doesn't happen, you got to eliminate him. I, it's hard to eliminate some good baseball players, but good teams do it. If you look at like the New England Patriots, right? They had some of the best players in football. They're in and out of that culture. If it doesn't fit, they, they, aren't gonna, they don't have enough time for them. Yeah, you're not going to win. Yeah, you're not going to win eventually. Yeah, exactly. Uh, chemistry for me inside of sports is, is, is a real thing. you got to have good baseball players. Don't get me wrong. And they're the ones who win the baseball games. And, you know, the manager gets credit for it. It's great. But the, I, know, I know the reason why we win baseball games. But chemistry is a real thing inside of sports. And when, when you got guys that believe they can do something, something special, it's fun to watch. Yeah, especially, and I try and tell people all the time because I also work in the NFL, is like the NFL is one thing. But baseball is so different because you play 162 games. Yeah. You're with each other more than you're with anybody else. You travel more miles than anybody else. That's why that chemistry has to work because the time you're at the ballpark every day, all day together. Yeah, you know what those trips are like, man. You're on you're on a you're on a uh, airplane a lot. You're traveling around a lot, and like any family, like any you better get along like a family. But like any family, you keep your you keep your housekeeping inside of that inside of that living room. It doesn't get out. You take care of it internally. You know, a brother can talk to a sister the right way, and you can get your point across the right way. We don't like letting things get out of our, our little cocoon. Our guys take care of one another. They love one another. We use that word inside of our clubhouse. It goes a long way. So Sandy Alderson is going to be coming on the program. Mm -hmm. Is it true he sent you down <laughs> on your birthday? He did. Yeah, good job. I was talking 
talking to your producer on the walk over here, and I told him, like, when I think of the Oakland A's, I think I have the greatest <laughs> memories. But I was in Toronto on my birthday, and I had some great plans. Scott Broch and Mike Bordick took me out to lunch, and we were going to go get dinner after the game. And, uh, you know, bringing my birthday the right way. And then after the game, Art Howe called me in and said, hey, man, we're going to send you out. And I said, Art, man, you guys are gutless. or oh, Not gutless, I'm sorry. You guys are heartless. It's my birthday today. And he says, Tori, you'll learn in this game sometimes. It doesn't really matter. we got to make this move, and I'm sorry. So uh, it, it's something I never forgot, but it's part of the game. You get used to it. A L- little bit heartless, yes, but it happens. How did that help you now as a manager knowing that you're going to have to have a tough, you know, because it's coming down from the top. Yeah. You've got to deliver the message. It may be a harsh message. Yes. Did you learn from that? Of course. Absolutely. So we take into account when somebody's anniversary is, when their birthday is, and I run it at our, at our guys like, hey, man, can we wait till tomorrow morning? I will come in early tomorrow and bring them in here early tomorrow, but can we just wait 24 hours? And this is, once again, the beauty of my relationship with the front office. Trust me, that believes in some of the things that I need to get across. They buy into it. They understand how important it is. And, and we feel like we do things right in Arizona. So when one person, player, ex-player, talks to another ex-player, they remember what we've done and we do it the right way. And I know they do the same thing in Oakland. Well, I'll tell you what, we're going to be rooting for you this year. And uh, hopefully we'll see you down at spring training. Good luck the rest of the way here. Maybe some moves going on for the Snakes down uh, uh, here at the winter meetings. But uh, we'll be rooting for you. We'll talk to you soon. Likewise. Good chat with you. Isn't that story great? The fact they sent him down on his birthday, we can laugh about it now. Uh, obviously, wasn't a whole lot of fun then, but baseball can be a ruthless business, and everybody learns. Well, Farhan Zaidi, our, our buddy Farhan over with the Giants, made a hire that has been, in the Bay Area, controversial. Gabe Kapler got fired by the Phillies, was out of work not very long because he got hired to replace Bruce Bochy as the manager of the San Francisco Giants. The Giants brought him over. Here is my time with the new skipper of the Giants, Gabe Kapler. One of the best stories I've heard in a long time, Tori Lovello talking about playing for the A's in 1996. They take him out to lunch for his birthday, getting ready for the game against the Toronto Blue Jays. I don't know, Gabe Kapler, if you've ever experienced this, but Tori was telling us, it's his birthday, and Art Howe calls him in and goes, "Hey, sorry, we got to send you down." Oh wow! <laughs> so no, I've never, I've never experienced that. I can tell you, I was traded on my birthday. I'm, I'm a July 31st birthday, um, so at the deadline, I, w- I was traded, but certainly never being sent down on my birthday. I do feel like I've been on the other side of that, though, potentially, where we've had to send players down on, on days that are meaningful to them, and. That never feels good. No, yeah. no, I'm sure Tori's story was awesome. Yeah, Tori's like, yeah, now I'm, I'm checking anniversaries. I'm checking birthdays yeah. to make sure. Yeah. So, you know, the last time I had you on my talk show, we were actually talking about fitness. You're the most in-shape manager probably of, of all time. But uh, congratulations <laughs> on the gig wow. with the San Francisco Giants. Uh, as Going from you. Philly, I know you talked about it yesterday, but uh, what a terrific opportunity this is for you. And knowing, you know, we've known Farhan for a long, long time right. from the A's affiliation. I know your guys' relationship. This seems like it's going to be a really good fit for you. I think it is going to be a good fit. Um, I think the first thing that makes it a good fit is I've, uh, I've experienced some failure at the major league level in a major league dugout and have had the opportunity to, to adjust. And one adjustment that, that stands out to me right away is um, really paying close attention to the confidence levels of players, even at the expense of the smallest strategic in, in-game decision. So I remember what it was like to be a player and be in the on-deck circle 
and walk up to the plate and have a manager call me back, call my name and have to turn back around and kind of hang my head and walk back to the dugout while another player got to go up there and take down that at bat. Now, maybe he gave the team a better chance to win than I did in that at bat. Now, was it worth it, that tiny little win expectancy advantage or that tiny little run expectancy advantage for the confidence of me for the next two, three, four months? And so I'm not saying that you don't make that decision at the end of the day because you have to make strategic decisions, but just the awareness level is something that I really learned from year one to year two in Philadelphia, and then I'll take with me as I manage the Giants in 2020. You know, it's something, you know, we do the Bob Melvin show each week. And it's something I talk with Bob about all the time because we have all the data in the world, yeah. right? We got so much, but we're still a people business. No question. And you understand that being a former player, the communication that you have with your players is yeah. so key. It's so key. And every, every player communicates differently. And one of the things that I'm pretty big on is being willing to come on the turf of the player or the coach or the staff member in, in the organization and meet them where they are. Because some people like to sit down and have a face-to-face conversation over a cup of coffee with no small talk launching right into the discussion and getting into the meat and the potatoes. Others really need to warm up and slowly ease into a conversation. Some people like FaceTime or text messages or, or, or Slack communication or whatever their um, social media choice is. And so I think one of the things that's really valuable is learning the preference of communication and their style um, with players and, and with, with staff members. One thing I learned at the end of the season is that some of our players wanted me to stop and have conversations in the clubhouse more than I did, which is something that was totally foreign to me. So as a player, even under managers like Terry Francona and Joe Madden and Larry Parrish and Johnny Oates, like those were not things that that happened. Like the manager didn't stop and have conversations in the clubhouse. But some of the feedback that I got was that would be really valuable. So it's another great adjustment. And, and if you're constantly learning and listening to what players have to say, what staff members have to say, then you can make adjustments along the way. Isn't the bottom line the players are just different now? Different in a good way. Um, like I'm, I'm not the manager that says things should be like they were when I came up with the Detroit Tigers in 1998 and 1999. Um, I don't think that the players back then were better. I don't think the clubhouses were more unified. I just think they're different. And so – um, I have a lot of acceptance for the way baseball has changed. I'm really excited about the way it's changing. Um, yeah, so certainly, directly, it's different. Baseball players are different, but I don't, I don't think they're, they're worse necessarily. I think it's better. You know, I think about all the data that we have, and it's so key to figure out how these guys absorb it because every guy is different and how you implement the data with each guy. Talk about that because I know you're, you're, you're big into the data. How do you make sure that each player is getting it correctly for them? I think one way is, is by describing the data as, as information and not data and describing analytics as information and not analytics. So, you know, really what this is, what the information that we're presenting to players is a collection of experiences. It's a scouting perspective. Hey, like I'm noticing that your, your front shoulder is flying or you're a little late getting into a launch position. Or it might be like, hey, this is a, a location of the plate where you haven't done much damage, but you really do a lot of damage in this other location of the plate. And framing it as, as less threatening, like you, you throw a, a, a matrix or a spreadsheet at a player and say like, here, take a look at this. <laughs> yeah. I, I, don't know, I don't know how effective that, that approach and that strategy is. Yeah. But I think the first thing that, that I, but more importantly, what, what baseball, a step that baseball needs to take is to stop calling it these like scary things. Stop making it so foreign. Analytics and, 
and, and data and, and computer science and biomechanics. Like, players don't have a lot of exposure to, to, the, to this terminology. So let's, let's just change the terminology. It's so much easier to explain. If we say biomechanics is the way the body moves, we're going to talk about the way your body moves. It's a lot different than saying, like, hey, I, have, I have a biomechanical take on your swing right now. It just feels different. So it's, it's a leap that not just I have to make. It's a leap that not just another manager or executive has to take. It's, it's the industry saying, hey, like, it's not analytics. It's not old school. It's, we're not just a bunch of labels and words. We're, to your, to your point earlier, we're people. Well, and I think of the good teachers that you ever had in school will provide the information and you'll learn it best. They figure out how you're going to learn it best. And I like how you put that. It's like, hey, we're just trying to make you better. Absolutely. And throwing a spreadsheet at somebody or giving them some, like, your weighted runs created plus. I mean, that's right. going to go in one ear and out the other. Right. And, and, the, and the funny thing is, is we, we get biased by what we like and think that that's the way to approach it. So you throw out weighted runs created plus. I might really like that, and I do. Right? Like, okay, so you say this guy has a weighted runs created plus of 120. Got it. He's 20% better than the league. At, whatever it is that I – how I digest that information, I like it. And then I think because I like it, somebody else's. And I think that's the critical mistake because, you know, you go on a little bit of a listening tour and ask people what kind of information they like, and then you tailor that information to them. is so much more effective than you know, like just throwing out what makes us happy. What makes you excited about the 2020 Giants? Um, well, I think focusing on having everybody in the organization that you know, I'm, I'm in contact with. And I think that starts with the Major League Clubhouse and having everybody take a small step forward. No one individual has to take the huge leap and, and carry the team. And what I mean by that is if you think about everybody's ability to improve as like a volume dial, and you're at a five, we're not trying to get you to a 10. We're trying to get you to like a five and a quarter or five and a half. But if everybody is taking that, that small step forward, and that includes coaches, it includes young players, veteran players, then you end up winning more, more games than you did the year previously, and, and, and players improve. So I think conceptually that process is what excites me the most. Yeah, and I think about the buy-in. you got some veteran players. You're going to have younger players. Got to get everybody pulling on the same rope because you're really in the same deal we are. Dodgers are in your division, Astros in our division, 107 and 106 wins. It's not easy to beat these guys. Plus, you know how good the Dodgers are. You were in that organization, you and Farhan. Absolutely, and, and speaking of Farhan, I think the way to approach kind of the gap that, that exists right now between you know, the Dodgers and, and the Giants is, is one smart baseball decision after another. And really, it's, it's one good baseball decision after another. Building one good process after another. That includes the coaching staff, which is something that I'm focused heavily on right now, is finding the best possible coaches to get that dial click for our players. It doesn't happen overnight. It's not like you go out and sign five free agents and all of a sudden you jump to that 100-win team. I think it's much more about foundation building, and it's much more about process building, and I think that's where we are right now. Well, congratulations on becoming the manager of the San Francisco Giants, and we'll, we'll see you in spring training. Thanks, Chris. I appreciate it. Interesting times in Major League Baseball now that we know uh, after that interview, Madison Bumgarner would sign with the Arizona Diamondbacks. God, it would have been great if that would have happened while we were down there because we could have asked Tori, could have asked Gabe their perspective on the free agent signing. But we want to thank Kevin Cash, Tori Lovello, and Gabe Kapler, the three managers. Of course, we had Bob Melvin on, but we play the Bob Melvin show here on A's Cast. We want to thank those skippers 
for coming on. We truly appreciate it. We appreciate you listening to A's Unfiltered. Now back to A's Cast, powered by TuneIn. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons the world are charging in fact wasabi is up to 80 percent less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data from wasabi's ai enabled intelligent media storage wasabi air to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals data deletion and ransomware wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.